Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to our RCV Clips episode for April 2018. I'm Karen Brinson-Bell, Election Administration Consultant with the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. We often work with policymakers to address administrative considerations in legislation about ranked choice voting and at times provide testimony before governing bodies. Today we are joined by Mark Roberts, State Representative from Utah's 67th Legislative District and sponsor of Utah House Bill 35, a measure that will allow municipalities to implement ranked choice voting for their local elections. This bill passed in March and was signed by the governor a few weeks ago. Representative Roberts, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Karen, for having me on. Happy to be here. Great. I'll just start with uh, our very first question. How did you become familiar with ranked choice voting? That's a good question. Uh, we have a, a caucus system out here in Utah. Um, not sure if you're familiar with how it works, but uh, we uh, divide up, you know, our, our different legislative districts into small little precincts, and and people get together and they like delegates, um, and then we have our our different conventions uh, to uh, elect our nominees for the different parties, whether it's Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or whatnot, um, and. Uh, through that process in my local precinct and on the county convention levels, um, when I very first started getting involved and attending, uh, ranked choice voting was being used. Uh, because in, in often cases you had, you know, uh, in one precinct, four or five delegate seats that needed to be filled and eight to 12 people running for those delegate seats. Uh, you know, instead of doing multiple, multiple rounds or different things or, or just taking whoever gets the most votes, we would use ranked choice voting. And it worked pretty well in those situations. And I, and I uh, started looking into it and, and seeing how it could benefit, you know, broader and, and in other areas. Well, that's, it's very interesting because I think ultimately it led you to be a proponent for many years and to work on legislation for for several years, uh, what were some of the political barriers that you encountered while trying to introduce legislation and ultimately pass HB 35? Uh, when I first, I think I first filed this bill or version of it three years ago, uh, and the biggest obstacle at that point was cost. And um, at that point, you know, I don't think Maine had done what they've done and, you know, is still somewhat new on, on the state level. And the county clerks and, and the counties just kind of 
they just kind of freaked out. They're like, there's no way we can do this. Our current systems won't work, and it's going to be millions and millions of dollars if you pass this bill for us to update everything in order to accommodate this voting method. Uh, and I didn't know enough at that time about voting equipment, about the equipment that we had, whether or not it could or couldn't handle it. And I think the voting equipment uh, uh, providers out there um, at that time hadn't quite started implementing different ways where you could handle this. Um, at least I don't know if they had. Uh, so that was a huge hurdle and it caused me to kind of change the bill that year. Um, uh, and then it, it kind of, uh, nothing happened with it. Uh, I worked with R Rebecca Chavez Hauk, um, Representative Chavez Hauk in the House, and she ran the bill the next year, I think, or a couple years later. Um, and we still, still face some of the same issues. The, the county clerks, to be honest, for the most part, were the biggest obstacle. Um, just from the perspective of, well, at least this is what they always told us, cost, new equipment, equipment can't handle it, and voters will be confused if we do this, and the the ballots will be huge um, and unmanageable if we go this route. How did you, what did you have to do to work with the county clerks? What, what became a turning point with them? Uh, I spent a lot of time with those guys over the last few years, um, emailing with them, talking to them, getting involved with Lieutenant Governor's office who manages elections in our state. Uh, one thing that um, I think was the turning point was they all of a sudden started uh, needing new equipment. And uh, the, the equipment that we currently have in the state, the election, the voting equipment, I guess, was reaching its life cycle. They wanted to update it. Different counties across the state wanted to update it. And so they started pushing for uh, um, different uh, – some bills were passed that created committees to do um, research and to review the different voting equipment across the state. I got involved with that. I inserted language into those bills that required that they – take into account uh, ranked choice voting capabilities of the equipment. Um, I started getting involved in that process, talking to them, just building relationships, uh, talking about funding to uh, uh, help the counties uh, purchase the equipment. Um, and, and so that was a big turning point uh, because it kind of created a an opportunity to say, hey, you know, you're opposition has always been the equipment well now we we need to update the equipment so let's make sure we get equipment that supports it you know and that'll kind of uh, neutralize that opposition um, at the same time we had some different uh, laws passed in our state that uh, would change um, how we how the parties nominate their nominees in a convention system and there it would go more to straight primaries and you could have multiple people on the ballot um, and so from a political policy perspective, a bunch of my colleagues started looking at it saying, hey, this is a good way to overcome um, the plurality issue. Multiple people on the ballot, somebody being nominated without 50% of the vote. So all that kind of came together at the same time um, to where we thought, hey, let's run the bill again. I think um, there's some momentum, things are changing, and we might be able to get it passed.
And that was actually a bipartisan effort, correct? How, how did you foster that bipartisanship? Yeah, uh, you know, um, it just kind of happened. When I first ran the bill the first year, uh, it wasn't very bipartisan. I, you know, I'm on the Republican side. I don't think the Democrats liked it, even though I was sending them, you know, some stuff from people on their aisle. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Howard Dean, I think, had a bit of big article about it at one point, and I said, "Hey, here's your guy, Howard Dean. He likes it." And um, uh, it, I, I'm not sure. Maybe be new to him at that mm -hmm. point. And then a couple years ago, uh, I filed the bill, and then I noticed that Rebecca, Representative Chavez Hauk, had filed a similar bill at the same time. And so I, and she was working it and, and trying to make some grounds with it. And so I reached out to her and said, "Hey, I've kind of worked on this before. I've got a similar bill filed." Tell me what you're doing. How can I help? I'm happy to just. I've, I said I've done this in the past. You know, I'm happy to help you and support you if you want to run it and do what we can to get it passed. Um, and that's kind of how it started. Um, she liked it. She had some constituents that really liked it. She started working her um, her body, Democrats in the House, and you know, I worked uh, our side, and and it really did become a bipartisan issue. Um, you know, from the perspective of of uh, getting people involved, um, disenfranchised voters, uh, um, the plurality issue, you know, things like that. Uh, and so she ran it. Uh, we passed it out of the House that year. It failed in the Senate. And then we regrouped this last year and decided uh, to have me carry it. And I carried it through the House and, and Senate this year. And, and she was there the whole way supporting and co-sponsoring the bill. That's great. Uh, do you do you feel like there's anything about ranked choice voting that that's partisan in any way? We get asked that quite a bit. I I don't I don't think see how it comes into play. Um, I mean, if if anything, it's extremely unpartisan, right? It it, it uh, allows um, the electorate to consciously cast their vote without having to be stuck in a position of a worst end scenario or you know they can they can rank their their choices in order of preference um, and vote for somebody instead of against somebody right I, I, I appreciate you giving that perspective uh, let's fast forward a little bit and just talk about now that the this bill has passed, and, and at this point, the bill focuses uh, on municipalities being able to pilot ranked choice voting. I believe it's over the next 10 years. What value do you think this holds for municipalities that might be considering adopting and being a part of the pilot? Sure. I think there's a couple things. One is it can reduce cost and overhead and, and uh, operational expenses uh, right now. We have um, the uh, it, the municipal primary, I guess you call it, um, that happens in the usually around July or August, I think. And that's where we, you know, if, if you have a city council race and there's three slots open, uh, you might have ten people running for it, and and we narrow it down 
in, in this runoff primary race in August. Uh, you may have a mayoral race and, you know, a bunch of people run for that and we narrow it down to the primary to just two. So you have the cost of that primary election and then, uh, then the cost of the general election. We had an interesting scenario in uh, uh, Provo, Provo City last year. Um, there were a number of people on the running for mayor and I think there's six or seven, I'm not sure. But during the primary, a bunch of people's uh, votes kind of canceled. A bunch of candidates uh, kind of canceled each other out, split votes, mm-hmm. and we ended up sending two people forward. And I think I think some people didn't necessarily feel like, hey, that was representative. I'm not exactly sure, but one of the individuals who lost, who felt like his vote was split with others, he ended up filing as as a writing and he ran a writing campaign um, for the general election. So now all of a sudden you have, instead of just two people on the the general ballot, you had three people. So you had all this cost and expense and time to do the primary um, to narrow it down to two people. And then you still ended up with three people on the general ballot. And the person who got elected didn't even get 50% of the, of the general vote in November. Um, and, and so this can solve that problem as well. You can just you can get rid of the primaries, have everything in November, and just give the citizens an opportunity to rank their choi- choices. They don't have to worry about splitting their votes um, or you know wasting it on this person because it might cancel out that person and get this other person elected. You just rank it, and the uh, the algorithms you know sort through it all and do the multiple rounds for you. Certainly, majority support is a great benefit of, of ranked choice voting from from our experience, and it sounds like that will be beneficial to many of the municipalities if they consider moving forward. Um, I, I'll just end with, do you have any words of wisdom for other legislators that are thinking about drafting and pushing a bill forward um, on ranked choice voting with your experience? Um. I would say just uh, keep at it, uh, be creative. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I ran up against issues of cost and funding, and people won't understand this. Um, th- there are more and more videos and instructional how-to documentation and how this all works out there now than when I first started doing this. And, you know, use that stuff to educate people um, and try to get it um, implemented in some small areas so maybe some people can become familiar with it and comfortable with it and understand it um, and then push it, you know, into broader areas of um, elections and government. Do you see your the pilot program growing beyond the, the, the municipal pilot level? Is that a goal for you? That's is that one of the hope. small bits? <laughs> yes, that's my hope. This is, you know, baby steps. Uh, we first ran the bill. It was, you know, all across the board, ranked choice voting everywhere. And, you know, we had to narrow it down, clear it down to just the municipal level. But I I, I hope that um, it gets a chance and, and people see how it works and they like it and, and we can move it to other um, 
you know, levels of government. I'm gonna let us have a little bit of fun, less serious topic, uh, because y'all had some fun during the legislative session in creating a hip hop rap video that you were a part of that made became a late night talk show hit, went viral on YouTube and Twitter. So how does that feel to be a uh, social media sensation? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure. It was uh, quite surprising, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, we do videos every year, and we usually play them the last day of the session, just, you know, kind of uh, as a closing party of the session. And, and so when they asked me to participate, I thought that's what it was for. I had no idea that it was going to be posted online anywhere. Uh, next thing I know, I have friends from all across the country and everywhere texting me and, and saying, hey, you're awesome. That was great. Or that was ridiculous. What were you thinking? <laughs> um, and I, I was like, what are you talking about? And so, I, you know, then, then I started seeing the uh, my Twitter feed and Facebook and saw, uh, saw the video for the first time. Um, and uh, anyway, it, it was fun. You know, I think maybe some people thought it was out of place, um, but uh, um, hopefully other people saw that, hey, we, you know, even though we're elected officials, we don't have to take ourselves so seriously all the time. Well, um, I doubt that our podcast today will make you quite as famous, but we do appreciate all the hard work you've done in the Utah legislature and on this particular bill. And it's been great talking with you today and working with you on the legislation. Any parting comments you want to offer? No, I just uh, appreciate being on here. I appreciate your help. And, and, you know, maybe to back up to one of your questions about, you know, what others can do, I, I would say leverage Karen. You have been great. You've come out, you know, spoken in committee meetings, uh, conferences, met with county clerks, you know, leverage, um, you know, the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, Karen, and all those people. Uh, very valuable, very helpful in getting it passed. So I, I appreciate all you did to help us get it passed. Well, we appreciate that shout out. That's that's our goal is to to help with the election administration of, of this voting method and, and other perspectives on election administration. So thank you so much. And we hope you have a great day and a great day to our listeners. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining us today for our April RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else you get podcasts. Please take some time to rate and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterbee by Poddington Bear. Thanks to State Representative Mark Roberts of Utah for joining us today. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of my colleagues Karen Brinson-Bell and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. And now we're going to play you off with a brief snippet of the Utah Legislature's hip-hop civics lesson. If it passes the Senate, then the bill's probably fair. You thought it was law, but it's just not quite there. It goes up to the governor to determine its state. And if it's good, Herbert might even be signing it later. Look at that bill. It's finally there. Sitting as law, ready to be declared.